Great. Really lovely to be here with you. And uh, it does uh, feel like I'm here a little bit too much for you, does it? <laughs> you let you know, yes. Great. Um, so the problem as I see it. Um, so um, I did a little bit of Googling, because that's what you do these days. You Google. And uh, I thought, I wondered what... Uh, like problems, I just googled problems, and I wondered what people would consider to be problems, and I, and I came across this list of the top 30 British problems. So let me just say something uh, to those of you maybe who aren't British, you, you, as you see some of these, you'll realise the stress we have to put up with as British people. And uh, you might look at these and think they're insignificant, but we're really good at making them a lot bigger than they really are. It's kind of a gift, really. It's what we do really, really well. So, um, so yeah, so I thought, now there's, there's 30, um, and I've got a lot to say apart from sharing these with you. So I've selected 10. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 15 for that now. Yeah, you're not singing. Anyway, all right. So, um, and, and, and if I'm really honest, these are definitely 10 that I've encountered and experienced. The other ones, I couldn't be quite sure whether I had or not. So I thought, well, we'll roll with, we'll roll with these 10. But I want to kind of put these to a bit of a survey as well to see whether you've encountered these problems yourself. Okay, so let, let's see how we go on. Not quite catching someone's name, meaning you can never speak to them again. <laughs> yeah? In church, it's not too bad because you have the luxury of brother and sister, haven't you, which you can slot in there at a convenient moment. Um, Okay, next one. Realising you've entered the wrong shop and having to pretend to look around for a bit. <laughs> being, being incapable, rather, of placing your items on the counter in a shop without saying, just these, please. Yeah, and a few less for that one. Uh, going, oh, going into a pub to use the loo and pretending to look for a friend all the way into the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I've done this one. I don't, I don't, I don't no, probably not so many. It's just me who's a little bit paranoid. Worrying you'll be suspected a thief if exiting a shop without making a purchase. I deliberately try to look non guilty when I'm walking out and then think, I'm just going to look really guilty. I'm going to be stopped and searched. Okay. Saying you're. This probably slightly sexist comment here, but I think it's probably true. This is probably one that the ladies will feel uh, a lot more uh, concern with. Saying you're pleased with your haircut, despite the deep inner sadness it's causing you. <laughs> so that's the ladies and me, that one. Yeah, I'll be on that one myself. <laughs> Deeming it necessary to do a little jog over zebra crossings while throwing in an apologetic mini wave. <laughs> that one? <laughs> You've done it, haven't you? <laughs> the 
this, this, is, this is good. The shock of taste in Earl Grey tea when you were expecting otherwise. <laughs> oh, I've definitely done this one. Attempting to deal with a, with a queue jumper by staring fiercely at the back of their head. <laughs> Have you done that one? Oh, because I don't like queue jumpers. Do you like queue jumpers? It's like, it's like this, it's like. This is, this is also true. Running out of ways to say thanks when a succession of doors are held open for you. Having already deployed cheers, ta, and nice one. Well, clearly quite a lot of us feel that those are problems too. And, uh, you know, I mean, they are problems. They're slightly humorous problems. I get that. They're not that significant. But I guess if we're really, really honest, there's, there's lots of problems that we face. And some people see things as problems. Other people don't see the same things as problems. Uh, but I want to chat to you this morning about the problem as I see it. And the problem, as I see, is that we can rely on a, on a number of things and we can almost totally depend upon them and actually they're not quite as reliable as we once thought they were. Does that make sense? Well, that's a problem. That's a problem. And um, I want us to look at, excuse me, I want us to look at some of those things this morning, but I, I just need to make a point before I kind of launch into them. When I, when I talk about the problem as I see it is, I'm not trying to mock this particular thing. I'm not trying to, uh, to diminish it or make it, make it uh, kind of rubbish or rubbish or anything like that. What I want to do is rather, um, as it were, big up what it does do, but show what it can't do so that we can find out the thing that needs to do what it can't do. Does that make sense? So I just... I'm not entirely sure what I said then myself, so um, answers on a postcard, and uh, hopefully we can journey forward from, from here on in. But so, so, so the, the problem as I see it is, is science can explain how we got here, but it can't explain why we are here. Now, let me labor again. I'm not out to kind of destroy science. I wouldn't even dare to academically begin to try to do that. Neither would I, from my heart, want to do that because I think science is amazing. I actually think science is absolutely fantastic. I disagree with it on a few things, but that's all right because science disagrees with science on a few things. So that's absolutely fine. But I think science is fantastic because I actually think it goes on a discovery to discover things that God has already put in there in place anyway. So I think science is, is absolutely fantastic. And my, my aim this morning isn't to debate like Big Bang versus creation or anything like that. My aim isn't to do that this morning. I, I, it's just, it's not my intention at all. I, I have my theory about how uh, we got here. You, different people will have their theories about how we got here. And so my aim isn't to basically kind of debate that because, you see, I'm not actually particularly bothered about how I got here. I am more concerned about what I do now I am here. That takes up a whole lot of my time thinking about like It's like, because look, look, here's the deal, look. I was born largely through no fault of my own. 
fair, isn't it? And I'm going to die, hopefully, largely through no fault of my own. And then I'm stuck with an average of 80 years. And I've got to make that work all through my own choices and decisions. That makes sense. So I'm not going to worry about something that I can't really change. I'm going to concern myself with things that I can really change. And, and science does wrestle and there's lots of people in science wrestling. It's like, how do we get here? How, what's got us to this place? Where have we come from? And, and, it, and it does change. I mean, just in, in the press in the last couple of weeks, there's, there's been some prominent scientists saying, well, you know, we, we don't actually think we've got it completely right about the Big Bang now. So, so science does change in the way it views things. And that's, that's, the, that's the wrestle of science, that's the journey of science. That, that's actually what it's meant to do. It's meant to wrestle and, and discover and debate and kind of uh, and discover through this process of research. So, listen, here's the deal I'm here, and it's like, what do I do now? I am here now. I happen to believe that God wants me here. I quite like Dawkins, I don't, not everything he says, but I quite like a lot of what he says. And um, I've been thinking a little bit about what he says quite recently. And I think I'd like to sit down with him and uh, chat with him because I think he misses a few logic steps. And I don't come from any kind of academic arrogance. You know, I'm a butcher from Bradford. You don't, you don't need a lot of brains, you know what I mean? I mean, you see a lot of brains, but you don't need a lot of brains. So, um, so I'm not... I'm not like this super-duper scientific person, but I think sometimes I've got a reasonably logical mind. And the thing that kind of upsets me is it's not even what, how he says we got here. That's not what upsets me. It does, but not massively. But this is what upsets me. The thing that upsets me the most, and it upsets me because A, I don't believe it to be true, but B, I think it's a serious flaw in logic, which, which is presented in a really powerful and authoritarian way, and lots of people don't see and don't pick up on. And this is the flaw. They believe that if we can prove in evolution, and again, I'm not getting into an argument about this, so please, for Christians who are thinking, yeah, come on, bring it on, Green, we'll bring it on. I'm not bringing it on, all right? I'm just, I'm just going to arrest that point. I'm very much not bringing it on. What I'm saying is, he says that if we can prove evolution, it, there's no need for God. How do you work that out? How do you work that out? How does proving evolution prove there's no need for God. No, no, what that proves is evolution. Honestly, it's true, isn't it? And it is huge because that's, and I just think, how have you made that, that's, I was, honestly, I was perusing this just the other day. I was, I was thinking, how have you made that humongous step? Happy for you to prove that. But don't then, with your platform and authority and voice, then say, therefore it proves there is no God. Because everybody else will believe you. But it's a serious flaw in the logical process. It doesn't prove there is no God. All that says is, that's how God chose to do it. There's a thought for a Sunday. So, let, 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 let me, I've got to read you this because I like it, all right? Uh, if you don't like it, I'm not bothered, I like it. <laughs> a group of scientists got together and decided that man had come a long way and had no longer needed God. They picked one scientist to go and tell God that they no longer needed him. 
God listened patiently and kindly to the man. And after the scientists finished, God said, very well, how about this? Let's have a man-making contest. To which the man replied, okay, great. But God added, now we're going to do it just like I did it back in the old days with Adam. The scientist scientist said, sure, no problem, and bent down and grabbed a handful of dirt. God just looked at him and said, no, 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 you make your own dirt. (laughs) Did you like it? It's good, isn't it? I like it because, you see... Whatever, this is the interesting thing. I'm, I'm getting giddy now, all right? This, this, is, this is the interesting thing. We're looking at everything that God has made. However he made it, we're looking at all of that and, we, and, you know, and, and we're thinking, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make life out of nothing just to show we can do. So we'll build a large hadron collider. Build your own ha- large hadron collider. Don't start with God's stuff. That he made all, this, all the natural things to make those things. Get your own chemicals. Slowing, sl- showing slight ignorance of science now. All right. Get your own bits. <laughs> and protons. You know what I'm saying? It's, I think there's a big logical step that's made, which for me doesn't make a whole load of sense. And the, the sad thing is, it actually it actually gets us away from looking at the real issue that you and I face, which is like, what do I do now I am here? Science can and does and should, and it's fantastic, teach us about what's out there. I just don't feel it can teach me about what's in here. I'm not even bothered about where I've come from. I personally, I'm not too fussed about where I'm going because that's sealed up for me. I'm going to heaven. What I am concerned about is how do I make the most of this life now I'm here. And I believe and submit to you this morning that the clue is in the Bible. Another story, if you will. Is that okay? Say yes, because I'm doing it anyway. A preacher made a statement in Hyde Park, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart. A heckler replied, that's rubbish. Science has proved that the human heart is just a pump. The preacher said, are you married? The man said, yes. The preacher said, then go home and tell your wife you love her with all of your pump. (laughs) I'm leaving after this morning's meeting. It's a bank holiday Sunday. I've got a few hours at home. I'm going to rush in and say to my family, Robin, Natalie, Emma, I love you with all my pump. (laughs) It's not going to mean anything. If if, If I'm just reducing this to scientific description. I think it's great because we understand the body. I think it's great because we understand lots of stuff that we benefit from. I am very, very grateful to science. He gave me an iPad. I'm very grateful to them. But for me, it just falls short of answering the big question. And the big question is answered in the Bible when it says you are to love the Lord your God with all your pump with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your might. Friends, it's all about loving God. That's why we are here, to love God with all of our heart. Now, I'm going to pause there. I'm going to mention something, and then I'm going to fast forward, and then I'm going to come back to it. The heart, okay, the heart. Just hold that thought for a few moments, okay? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then, this extra little bit which which Jesus put on there, this is Jesus speaking. And what Jesus did, he he summed up all that had happened before. So the Bible has two bits. You've got the oldest bit, the newest bit. The oldest bit's called the Old Testament. Creatively, the newest bit's called the New Testament. That helps you to see which is the oldest clue is pretty clear isn't it but here's the deal lots of people think that in the old bit it was all very different and in the new bit it's all very different no 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 what you've got to do is you've got to read the old bit because it kind of gives you a bit of illumination into the new bit and then you read the new bit and understand that the new bit is a massive fulfillment of the old bit and Jesus sums up the whole of the old bit into a new bit saying love the Lord your God with all your heart soul strength of mind and love your neighbor as yourself that's why this church and any church should do if they call themselves a Christian they should love their neighbor that's why there's anybody is welcome in this church that's why this church engages in a whole bunch of stuff because it loves its neighbor as itself that's the crucial bit in fact I'm going to teach you a little bit of Greek. Now, I don't know a lot of Greek. I know this little bit of Greek. And when it says, love your neighbor as yourself, the original language says, for he is as you are. Love your neighbor, for he is as you are. In other words, we're all in the same place. We're all in the same place. And that's why we love everybody, because we're loving everybody who's in the same place as us. I fall down, ladies and gentlemen, at the love your God with all your heart. That's why I wanted to come back. I wanted to say those other things and bring it back to this. I fall down at that bit. So how does that work then? How can that be like the first bit of all that Jesus summed up and then you mess it up? You see, there was a day I arrived in my life where I said to God, God, I don't want to live life my way anymore. I want to live it with you. I want, I want to become a Christian I want you to forgive me of all that I've done that I'm not happy with, let alone that you're not happy with. I want you to forgive me of all the things that are wrong that have stopped me having a friendship and stopped me having a relationship with you and stopped me connecting you, connecting with you. I want you to forgive me of all of those. And to show how serious I am about that, I'm doing what you've told me. I'm turning away and I'm turning towards. So because I've said that, God knows that I want to love him with all my heart. He knows that's my intention. He knows that's my desire. He knows that's the focus of my life. And because God's loving, kind, gracious, and full of mercy, when I don't quite get it right, he forgives me. But it's like he doesn't make me loved and unloved. He doesn't make me like Christian and not a Christian. No, because my intention, my desire, I've arrived at a point that was a critical point in my life, which you have to arrive at, really, a critical point where you've still got lots of soul searching, you've still got lots of questions, but you've got this point where you go, do you know what, God? I'm putting my life in your hands. And that's what it means, really, to love the Lord your God. And then as you go on, that develop, that love strengthens Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So the problem with science, it can tell us how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do now we are here. Medicine can cure the physical, but it can't cure the spiritual. Anybody got any ailments this morning? Nobody. Do you want some of mine? Anybody on medication this morning? That don't work then. 
Nobody had ailments, but there's about 30 ants said we're on medication. Is this illegal substances you're taking? Or that's what I need to know. I love medicine. Honestly, I absolutely love medicine. I mean, I love Vinos. <gasps> Have you ever had Vinos? I get a chesty cough on purpose these days. I love Vinos. I love Vinos. There's children and I don't. I don't do that, okay? Medicine's fantastic. I love it. I've got a few ailments. Would you like to know them? I'm telling you them, all right? Seeing as you asked. Okay, so I've got, I've got arthritis, so I'm on naproxen. I've got gout, so I'm on allopurinol. And then, because I've had type 2 diabetes, even though it's diet controlled, I've got um, something to... Oh, they've just changed it, haven't they? What? Oh. What? Not metformin, no. I'm, I'm diet controlled at the moment. Doctor, um, St. John, um, no, what, no, so, you, oh, anyway, I'm, I'm still on a statin, statin, simvastatin, simvastatin, but they've taken me off that and I'm on arvastatin, I don't know what the difference is, well, one's a bit smaller, alright, so I'm on those, have I got anything, oh yeah, I've, if, you, if you think I'm winking at you this morning, okay, I'm not, I, well, I might be, if I like it, but, I've got dry eye. I think I've told you about that before. And as you know, I don't like to go on about my ailments. Okay? So, so I'm really grateful for medicine. I love it. And I honestly, I have genuinely the utmost respect for medicine. I actually, I actually believe that God uses medicine to heal people. I honestly believe it, and I actually believe that medicine is discovery of some of the brilliant stuff that God has put in our universe to bring healing and health to people. I do believe that God can just speak the word and heal somebody, but I also believe that God's put lots of normal things in place, like, like doctors and nurses and the people that do research to discover these. I think it's fantastic, and medicine's great because it can cure the physical it can help with the emotional. It can help with the mental, with things like depression, which is a genuine illness. It can, it can help with those things and can, can heal those. Not, not all the time, but it does a lot of brilliant healing. So I think medicine is absolutely fantastic. And, and I think it's a good thing to rely on medicine. However, medicine can cure the physical, but I don't believe it can cure the spiritual. You see, there is a sickness that you can't get any camera to. There is a sickness that you can't get any MRI to discover or any x-ray to discover. As brilliant as those things are, there's a limit, a, a natural limit, because it's, it's an illness that's deep in our soul. And it's in the soul where, where God wants to live by somebody who we call the Holy Spirit. He is God living in you. When a person becomes a Christian, God comes and lives in them by his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, God can't live in that sick soul if, if there's illness there. What is the illness? When you and I don't put God in first place and don't arrive at a place in our lives where we say, I want to love you with all my heart, soul, strength, etc., etc. When we do our own thing, a disconnect from God has taken place. And as such, our soul is, is sick. It's unwell. But Jesus turns up on planet Earth 
to still deal with physical sickness, and you can see that as you read through the Bible, but he, he came primarily to deal with spiritual sickness. You see, you can enter heaven with a sick body, but you can't enter heaven with a sick soul. I'm going to read to you some sentences from the Bible. I'm going to give you a reference. For those of you familiar with the Bible, I'm going to tell you where it's come from because I don't want you to start twitching that we haven't had a lengthy Bible reading this morning. All right, so it's Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. And it simply says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with, him, with them. But the Pharisees and all the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, pardon me, but sinners to repentance. There's been quite a bit, hasn't there, in the NHS about trying to say to people, only come if you're genuinely unwell. You know, if you've got a splinter, don't go to A&E. Do you know what I mean? Find other ways of dealing with it. Folks, Jesus says to us, only come to me if you are spiritually unwell, if you are sick in your soul. And the implication in that sentence which Jesus said isn't that there are some that are and there are some that aren't. The implication in that is everybody. Everybody, you're sick in your soul. Listen, folks, the diagnosis is terrible. It's a terrible, terrible diagnosis. The diagnosis is really, really bad. This is the diagnosis. You've only got till the end of your life to live. That's the diagnosis. After that, you're dead. Just thought I'd cheer you up this morning. Oh, sorry. Prognosis is really good, by the way. All right, Because the prognosis is Jesus came to forgive us. Jesus came to remove that sickness. Jesus came to make it possible for you to totally explode life here on planet Earth. But also when you die physically, you'll be alive spiritually still. You see, when you become spiritually alive in this world, you never die spiritually. You'll come alive and you'll continue to live and you'll continue to be with God where there is no sickness, where there is no suffering, where there is no pain of any single type. And Jesus came and made it possible for you to have that experience in your life. How did he do that? 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on the cross and took the punishment for the wrong in your life and the wrong in my life. And today, today, if you'll say, God, forgive me, if you'll say, God, I put my life in your hands, then you can enter into this new relationship where your spiritual health is fantastic. Now, so medicine can cure the physical but can't cure the spiritual. God can cure the spiritual and the physical. So, if you're here this morning and you've got any kind of sickness, I'm going to ask God to heal it now. Now, I'm not going to promise that he will because I don't know. I'm not God. You know this. I am going to promise that he can because he says that. 
okay? So if you're here this morning and you have got some kind of illness, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, whether it be mental, whatever it may be, and forgive me if I've left out any areas, um, then please just kind of still join in. If you're here and you need some kind of healing this morning, I'm going to pray. Let's close our eyes. Put your hand on your heart. Why not just say to God, in the stillness and quietness of your own heart, what your illness or illnesses are. Just mention them now, very still and quietly, not out loud, but just in your own heart and mind. And then I'll pray. Dear God, all it takes is one word from you. You said, let there be light, and there was. And it was good. Lord, I'm simply asking you, as the God who can, will you speak words of healing into these lives? Whatever their illness is, whatever their ailment, whatever their discomfort is, would you now speak words of healing? Would you say, let there be healing, and may it be so? Lord, we ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now let me just encourage you, if you feel that God may have done something, why don't you come and share it? Whether you're from this church or not, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, if you feel that God's done something, why don't you just come and share it? Maybe contact the church here and let them know. I would certainly encourage you to go and see any doctor. That's an important thing to do, but it's right and proper. I often say, you know, every time I go to the doctor and he sends me away with something, I don't always get well. But I often get well. But you know what? If I'm really unwell, I have no qualms whatsoever about going back to the doctor. And I go to one who's got limited ability and limited power. And yet we've come to the one who has unlimited ability and unlimited power. Let's never shy from coming back to him and saying, God, I really need you to come and heal me or to, to do this. So, first thing, science can tell us how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do now. We are here. Medicine can cure the physical but it can't cure the spiritual. And just in closing, religion can tell you what to do, but it can't help you do it. It can tell you what to do, but it can't help you do it. Are you all right for one more story? I'm checking the clock. We've got the time. Is that all right? Good, because I like it. A couple had two boys aged eight and ten, and they were excessively mischievous. The two were always getting into trouble and their parents could be assured that if any mischief occurred in their town, their two young sons were involved in some way. The parents were at their wits end as to what to do about their son's behaviour. The mother had heard that a clergyman in that town had been successful in disciplining children in the past. So she asked her husband if he thought that they should send the boys to speak with the clergyman. Well, the husband said, we might as well. We, you know, we, we need to do something before I start to lose my temper. The clergyman agreed to speak with the boys, but asked to see them individually. The eight-year-old went to meet with him first. The clergyman sat the boy down and asked him sternly, where is God? The eight-year-old boy made no response, so the clergyman repeated the question in an even sterner tone, where is God? Well, the eight-year-old boy still didn't respond, so this clergyman made an even sterner response and wagging his finger, where is 
God at that, the boy bolted from the room, ran directly home, slamming himself in the closet. His older brother followed him into the closet and asked what had happened. The younger brother replied thus, we are in big trouble this time. God is missing and they think we did it. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> See why I wanted to read it to you? It's great, isn't it? So I want to ask you this morning, I'm not going to wag my finger. I'm not going to ask you sternly. I'm just going to ask you, where is God? And actually, in some ways, it's a bit of a challenge to wherever we are. Because you know what? Sometimes, even as Christians, I think it's really exciting that you're going on a bit of a journey for a few weeks to rediscover what church is as the founder intended it to be. Because I think sometimes, even as Christians, we can just get a whole lot of claptrap and clutter comes in. I think it's good for us to say, where's God in all of this? You know, in what I'm doing, where is actually God? And you might find out most stuff's okay, but there's a, there's a whole heap of stuff that we can do that actually it's not, it's not. I call it, it's not, it's not Bible, it's dribble. There's a lot of stuff, it's like, you know, we've kind of muddied it up a little bit. So I think that's a really good journey to go on. And I would encourage you to be in all of that, to be saying, okay, where is God in this journey of, fresh journey of discovery? But I want to kind of land my talk as I draw to a conclusion to, to say to you maybe who at this moment in time, um, you're not a Christian, you've never said yes to God. And I, and I just want to say to you, where is God? Because if God is missing, it is your fault. Don't take that in a wrong way. God is, God is waiting, even right now, this morning. He's not only waiting, he's wanting. He's wanting to, to come into your life and, and to, to clean you up and to forgive you and to, to heal you spiritually and to bring that purpose, that knowing why we are here, that actually every single one of us wants. But if, if we took the Christian faith and, and took Jesus out of it, it would simply just be a religion. Because you see, Christianity is a relationship. And if you take out of it, the person that makes it a relationship, it becomes something other. But equally, if he's in it, then it becomes relationship. And I want to encourage you this morning. You see, I believe not that Christianity gives you the power to do the things that we should do, but that Jesus gives you the power to do the things that you should do. I don't believe that this so-called religion of the Christian faith is going to do it. It's Jesus who's going to do it. And Christianity is the framework wherein we understand what Jesus is all about because we place him central. We understand that to really genuinely connect with God, you really genuinely need to have Jesus forgive you. And the wonderful promise is, one of my favorite sentences, if anyone, you as well, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now you're still you. It's not like some alien invasion where you become something different. You're still you with all your characteristics and all your foibles. <laughs> that could be good news or bad news for some of you, but I'll let you decide that. But actually, you become a Christian. You give your life to Jesus and you do become this brand new creation. You get a whole new vista, a whole new outlook on life, a whole new perspective. You get cleaned up. And you know what? You do feel cleaned up inside. You really do feel cleaned up inside. And I want to encourage you 
this morning. You see, Christianity isn't about living up to something. It's about the fact that Jesus came and lived down here, down to something. God's not setting you up for a fall. Don't like that, do you? If you've ever been set up for a fall, hate it. No, no, he's rescuing you from a fall. The narrative of the Christian faith is that humanity fell and Jesus came to rescue humanity and that you can connect with the one who came to rescue. And that's the starting point. There's more to it than that, but that's the starting point. And God, this, even this morning, or this afternoon rather, is calling you to put your life in his hands. I'm going to invite the musicians to come forward and I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing our final song. If you're here this morning and you've never ever said yes to God, then right where you are now, say yes to him. I've explained what it means to say yes to God, that you're saying you don't want to live life without him anymore, but you want to live life with him. Just in these few still moments, say yes to God. You've never said, not out loud, just in the stillness and quietness of your own heart and mind, just now where you are. Encourage you. Say yes. Say yes. Go on. Yes, God. Yes, God. And God, for anybody who said yes to you this morning, help them to know that you've already said yes to them and that they've made the significant decision to go on this journey to discovering what it really means to be a Christian. That this is a memorable moment. Help them to be sure that they've said yes to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is my final few moments. Uh, if you said yes to God, I've got a little booklet that I've written called The Journey. It's full of stories of people that have already said yes and a few things to help you along the way. At the end of this meeting, I'm just going to be perched by the doors that you came in with a handful of these. I'd love to give one of these to you completely free. It's something I've written for people just like you. And if it's okay with you, I'll just scribble your name down on a piece of paper that I can give to Leon so the church can help you more. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. But make sure you come and get a booklet. God bless. Thank you.